Today on CityCast Salt Lake, the legislature has been all over education this session. Introducing transparency bills that require more reporting from teachers, thinking about diverting resources away from public schools in the form of private school vouchers and a tax credit. School districts like Canyons, which includes Sandy Schools, are banning books like Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye. And one of the many questions I'm asking about all of this is, under all this mounting scrutiny, how are Salt Lake's teachers supposed to teach and celebrate Black History Month in peace? So I asked Michelle Loveday. She's an education consultant whose career in public schools led her to found her own virtual academy, RISE, which meets once a week to teach Black history to students from around the state. It's Thursday, February 24th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Well, welcome to CityCast. Thanks for being here, Michelle. Thanks for having me. I want to talk to you about a number of things, but first, just a quick question for you. It seems like it's always Black History Month at RISE Virtual Academy. Why did you found RISE? Oh, my goodness. It's the best thing. It's truly Black 365. So for us, whenever people are talking about Black History Month this month, I'm just like, I can't wait for you to begin your journey because we talk about it once a week on Thursday evenings. And a space like RISE feels particularly important given the restrictions we're seeing put on public school curriculums right now. In your opinion, how are public school teachers and in your conversations with them, how are they tackling Black History Month right now and Black History in general? But it does feel like a lot of these restrictions rolling off of the hill during Black History Month is particularly resonant. Right. It feels like a slap in the face, too, because it's it's kind of like, how are you moving and why? Even before the uh, legislation, just the start of the school year, teachers were moving in a way of like, I, I feel like we're public enemy number one. And when did that happen? And how is uh, our instruction um, being caused in such a way that it's being questioned when we've been doing this for so many years and allowing students to be critical thinkers? Um, it's It's very concerning. And frustrating, I think, especially as a Black woman, for people to um, say, well, I don't know if I can celebrate Black History Month because it's divisive. And I'm like, where and how? Like, how how is my skin divisive? I'm sorry, because I exist, I'm divisive, is, is essentially what you're saying. And that's not the case. Um, having history, you know, knowing that there are um, people around us that helped make America and create the world is, is not a divisive thing to talk about the struggles that comes with how a patent is designed and how, you know, there were royalties stolen. And, and those those are like, you know, things that you talk about. It's like we were a dysfunctional family and we've got to own up to that and we've got to figure out how to heal from that. And the only way to do that is to move forward and, and discuss. There's no discussion that's going to be hard when you're talking about Black history. And to ban books is to ban the opportunity of, of creativity. If you don't want to read the book, then don't read the book. Um, but to to keep others from finding something that would resonate with them. Personally, for me, reading Sula by Toni Morrison impacted me greatly. Um, someone that, I, you know, at one point I didn't think that I was pretty because my skin wasn't like, you know, what I saw on TV. And then just seeing the beauty that comes in that character and finding herself it's it's not a book for you, then don't read it, but don't ban it. Yeah. And we all lose. And we all lose. 
Yeah, we all lose. There's just so many wonderful things out there. And I think the biggest thing is you have to have proximity with the people that you think you're afraid of. And and once you sit down and talk with with everyone, it's like, oh, we all want the same things, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we've made we've made being black political. We've made blackness political. We've made living political. And it's it's just it's got to end somewhere. There's these discussions are very nonpartisan, if we have to say that, like talking about history is a nonpartisan thing. Um, and you can't omit things from history just because it doesn't feel comfortable for you. You've got to get com- you've got to get comfortable with the uncomfortable, as people say. I think the thing that also gets me is like when we think about Black History Month in particular, it's it's a celebration like it's meant to be a celebration. And um, I wonder if do you know teachers who have had to adapt their curriculum specifically from what they would normally teach or their normal lesson plan? It hasn't changed the curriculum. It hasn't kept teachers from, you know, celebrating the amazingness of Black culture. People co-opt so much of the Black culture when it's convenient for them. Mm-hmm. But when it's time to sit down and really learn about the people behind the culture, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a different story. And I never understand it. And so I have to catch my mind sometimes when I'm watching something on Instagram and I see somebody dancing along to a hip hop song and I'm like, hmm, do you want to ban critical race theory while you're dancing to that? You know, <laughs> so I have to put a little humor and sarcasm in my day. And then when I see posts of people wanting to celebrate Black History Month that have been wanting to ban critical race theory, I'm like, the dichotomy of the two is so off to me. Right. You are celebrating Black history, which is telling people stories it's part of critical race theory, but yet you're sitting here saying you want it gone. So uh, it's a lot to take in. And I think for me, having this month is necessary to keep. I know some people are like, well, we don't need it. It should be 365. But I don't, I think if we don't celebrate it like Mother's Day, it kind of gets pushed to the side and swept away and people forget conveniently. I think the thing that strikes me about these conversations about what's being taught in classrooms is how exhausting it is. And it seems like teachers have really had it. I mean, there was a rally two days ago at the Capitol of teachers saying enough is enough. Let us be professional. Trust us. Let us teach. Trust us. Right. And so I think a lot of the transparency laws and the legislating of the transparency is um, what seems to be the most frustrating and also in some sense, I mean, it sounds like what you're hearing is it's not affecting how teachers teach very much, but I also feel like the vagueness, it allows for adaptation, but it also, I imagine, makes it a little bit more frightening to figure out what your curriculum can and can't be because right now it feels like someone else, someone on the Hill could interpret what you're teaching however they're in the mood to. Exactly. And I think the transparency bills are a false uh, bill in the sense that we've always been transparent. Hmm. And so it's like you're creating a bill on top of a bill that already existed. You know, educators were confused in the sense of we've always posted our curriculum. You've always seen from the beginning on UEN what objectives we're going to cover. We're not bringing anything out of the hat that would be a surprise, A, because that's more work for us. And B, you've always been allowed in the classroom short of COVID 2020, where we were trying to like not cross homogenate whatever was happening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, parents have been asked to come in. The PTA has been 
always active and involved. And, and so the transparency bills is like, well, what do you, what do you want? Like, right. What are you after? What are you asking for? Because we've been giving you what you've been asking for to an extent, even prior to COVID where teachers had Facebook pages and web pages that you could go on and see what the homework assignments were. I mean, teachers have been working to be transparent while they're teaching 30 kids eight hours a day. It definitely is one where finally teachers, you know, have been saying enough is enough. And I, I love what it feels like a solution looking for a problem. Yeah. You're looking for something like we've been having it. And John author said it best. We love public education. We've been in love with public education. Mm -hmm. We've worked and and looked at the art. Teaching is an art. And um, I think those that even homeschool can appreciate what we do. And it's kind of like, okay, you're, you're creating more problems. As someone who doesn't have kids in school, what am I, if I'm only thinking about our classrooms through the lens of this like gauntlet about public education right now, what am I missing about what's actually happening in schools in Salt Lake? You're missing the community behind it. Because if you think about it, everyone contributes to their public school, whether they have children there or not whether they homeschool or not, thanks to the way our tax system is built up. And so because it's a community school, you're invited to come in and participate in that. And I think that's the beauty of it. Last question for you. Do you have a favorite lesson plan that you teach during Black History Month? Or I guess at RISE yeah, on I, any day. I know, right? <laughs> um, right now at RISE, we're learning about the Black diaspora and how there's intersections um, and I've been loving it. I've been loving listening and seeing children and seeing people's eyes light up. February, we have been learning about Afro-Asians and the first five dynasties in China that were, you know, Africans. And that's been amazing because we have students that are Afro-Asian, you know, that are Blasian, as they call them, Black and Asian. And, and, and then in September, we learned about Afro-Latina. And it was amazing because we had resources of community members, the Bamba Marial uh, dance group that came in and danced for the students. And we had kids that were like, I'm Afro-Latina. And just seeing the pride in knowing I can be two things and be proud of those two things and see the impact that they have together hand in hand. I think that's what everyone needs to do is to look at the pairing of that. And next month we'll learn about Afro-European. And I, I know we'll hit tons of kids then, right? Um, those have been my favorite lessons newly, but I always go back to my absolute favorite, which is the Harlem Renaissance. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That was my favorite in school, too. The best music, the art, the feeling, the vibe, the, the, the poetry, the poetry and just the realization of black people saying we're here, we're here to create and we're free. And what is that going to look like? Because you have a group of people who were taken and enslaved and now they can create this history. Michelle, thank you so much for being here today and for the community that you're building around our schools and for inviting us all to be a part of it. Thanks so much. It's nice to talk to you and see you. That's all for us today on CityCast Salt Lake. One parting gift. Michelle mentioned John Arthur in our conversation. He's a sixth grade teacher at Meadowlark Elementary and was a guest on our show a few weeks ago. For Valentine's Day, he wrote a love letter to public education. And we're going to play a bit of it for you now. Hey, you. I know things have been pretty rough lately and I don't want to pretend like everything's okay. 
with us because it's not. It's not. But I'm not going anywhere. And I want you to know why. I want you to know why I'm staying here, right here with you. And I want you to know why nothing's ever going to change that. I want you to know why I love you. And that's why after nine long years, I can honestly say that I'm so madly in love with you. I love you because you welcome all kids into your classrooms, believe in their potential. You won't turn anyone away. I love you because you saved me when I was a kid. You helped me make my dreams come true. And now you better believe that I'm going to take good care of you. I see you. I celebrate you. And if anyone tries to say anything gets you, I will rise to your defense. And as you can see, I'm not alone. I need you. Our kids need you. Our country needs you. And from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for the beauty blessings that you bring into all of our lives. Sincerely, your devoted teacher, John.